Section 3 of Across the Plains in 1844 by Catherine Sager Pringle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2. Waiilatpu Massacre, 1847. In the fall of 1847, the emigration over the mountains brought the measles. It spread among the Indians, and owing to their manner of living, it proved very fatal it was customary for emigrant families who arrived late to winter at the station and some seven or eight families had put up there to spend the winter of eighteen forty seven among the arrivals was a half-breed named joe lewis who had joined the emigration at fort hall much against his will the doctor admitted this person into his family for the winter we none of us liked him he seemed surly and morose there was also a frenchman named joseph stanfield who had been in the doctor's employ since the year eighteen forty five up to the year eighteen forty seven the protestant missions had been the only religious influence among the indians in the fall of this year the catholic church established missions among them and the teachings of the two clashed the Indian mind is so constructed that he cannot reconcile the different isms. Consequently, they became much worked up on the subject. Many long talks occurred between them and Dr. Whitman in reference to the two religious systems. Owing to the sickness and these other causes, the natives began to show an insolent and hostile feeling. It was now late in the season and the weather was very inclement whitman's large family were all sick and the disease was raging fearfully among the indians who were rapidly dying i saw from five to six buried daily the field was open for creating mischief and the two joes improved it joe lewis was the chief agent his cupidity had been awakened and he and his associate expected to reap a large spoil a few days previous to the massacre mr spalding arrived at the station accompanied by his daughter ten years old she was the second child born of white parents west of the rocky mountains dr whitman's child being the first she had lived her ten years of life among the natives and spoke the language fluently saturday after his arrival mr spalding accompanied dr whitman to the umatilla to visit the indians there and hold a meeting for worship with them upon the sabbath they rode nearly all night in a heavy rain dr whitman spent the next day visiting the sick and returned to the lodge where mr spalding was staying late in the afternoon nearly worn out with fatigue the condition of his family made it imperative that he should return home so arrangements were made for mr spalding to remain a few days on the umatilla to visit among and preach to the indians as dr whitman was mounting his horse to leave stickas a friendly christian indian who was the owner of the lodge came out and told him that joe lewis is making trouble that he was telling his stickas people that the doctor and mr spalding were poisoning the indians so as to give their country to his own people he said i do not believe him but some do and i fear they will do you harm you had better go away for a while until my people have better hearts 
dr whitman arrived at home about ten o'clock that night having ridden twenty-five miles after sundown he sent my two brothers who were sitting up with the sick to bed saying that he would watch the remainder of the night after they had retired he examined the patients one after the other i also was lying sick at the time coming to helen he spoke and told his wife who was lying on the bed that helen was dying he sat and watched her for some time when she rallied and seemed better i had noticed that he seemed to be troubled when he first came home but concluded that it was anxiety in reference to the sick children taking a chair he sat down by the stove and requested his wife to arise as he wished to talk with her she complied and he related to her what stickus had told him that day also that he had learned that the indians were holding councils every night after conversing for some time his wife retired to another room and the doctor kept his lonely watch observing that i was restless he surmised that i had overheard the conversation by kind and soothing words he allayed my fears and i went to sleep i can see it all now and remember just how he looked the fatal twenty-ninth of november dawned a cold foggy morning it would seem as though the sun was afraid to look upon the bloody deed the day was to bring forth and that nature was weeping over the wickedness of man fathers dr whitman's brow was serene with no trace of the storm that had raged in his breast during the night he was somewhat more serious than usual most of the children were better only three being dangerous two of these afterwards died we saw nothing of mother mrs whitman one of the girls put some breakfast on a plate and carried it to her she was sitting with her face buried in her handkerchief sobbing bitterly taking the food she motioned the child to leave the food was there untouched next morning an indian child had died during the night and was to be brought to the station for burial while awaiting the coming of the corpse dr whitman sat reading and conversing with his assistant mr rogers upon the difficulties that seemed to surround him the discontent of the indians the catholics forcing themselves upon him and the insinuations of joe lewis he made plans for conciliating the natives and for improving their condition he said that the bishop was coming to see him in a few days and he thought that then he could get the indians to give him leave to go away in the spring adding if things do not clear up by that time i will move my family below being informed of the arrival of the corpse he arose and after calling his wife and giving her directions in regard to the sick children he wended his way to the graveyard a beef had to be killed for the use of the station and my brother francis accompanied by joe stanfield had gone early to the range and driven it in and three or four men were dressing it near the grist-mill which was running grinding grist for the indians upon the return from the funeral the doctor remarked that none but the relatives were at the burying although large numbers were assembled nearby but it might be owing to the beef being killed as it was their custom to gather at such times 
his wife requested him to go upstairs and see miss bewley who was quite sick he complied returning shortly with a troubled look on his countenance he crossed the room to a sash door that fronted on the mill and stood for some moments drumming upon the glass with his fingers turning around he said poor lorinda is in trouble and does not know the cause i found her weeping and she said there was a presentiment of evil on her mind that she could not overcome i will get her some medicine and wife you take it up to her and try and comfort her a little for i have failed in the attempt as he said this he walked to the medicine case and was making a selection his wife had gone to the pantry for milk for one of the children the kitchen was full of indians and their boisterous manner alarmed her she fled to the sitting-room bolting the door in the face of the savages who tried to pass in she had not taken her hand from the lock when the indians rapped and asked for the doctor dr whitman told his wife to bolt the door after him she did so listening for a moment she seemed to be reassured crossed the room and took up the youngest child she sat down with this child in her arms just then mrs osborne came in from an adjoining room and sat down this was the first time this lady had been out of her room for weeks having been very ill she had scarcely sat down when we were all startled by an explosion that seemed to shake the house the two women sprang to their feet and stood with white faces and distended eyes the children rushed outdoors some of them without clothes as we were taking a bath placing the child on the bed mrs whitman called us back and started for the kitchen but changing her mind she fastened the door and told mrs osborne to go to her room and lock the door at the same time telling us to put on our clothes all this happened much quicker than i can write it mrs whitman then began to walk the floor wringing her hands saying oh the indians the indians they have killed my husband and i am a widow she repeated this many times at this moment marianne who was in the kitchen rushed around the house and came in at a door that was not locked her face deathly white we gathered around her and inquired if father was dead she replied yes just then a man from the beef came in at the same door with his arm broken he said mrs whitman the indians are killing us all this roused her to action the wounded man was lying upon the floor calling for water she brought him a pitcherful from another room locked all the doors then unlocking that door she went into the kitchen as she did so several emigrant women with their small children rushed in mrs whitman was trying to drag her husband in one of the women went to her aid and they brought him in he was fatally wounded but conscious the blood was streaming from a gunshot wound in the throat kneeling over him she implored him to speak to her to all her questions he whispered yes or no as the case might be mrs whitman would often step to the sash door and look out through the window to see what was going on out of doors as the roar of guns showed us that the bloodthirsty fiends were not yet satisfied at such times she would exclaim oh that joe lewis is doing it all 
several times this wretch came to the door and tried to get into the room where we were when mrs whitman would ask what do you want joe he would run away looking out we saw mr rogers running toward the house hotly pursued by indians he sprang against the door breaking out two panes of glass mrs whitman opened the door and let him in and closed it in the face of the pursuers who with a yell turned to seek other victims mr rogers was shot through the wrist and tomahawked on the head seeing the doctor lying upon the floor he asked if he was dead to which the doctor replied no the school-teacher hearing the report of the guns in the kitchen ran down to see what had happened finding the door fastened he stood for a moment when mrs whitman saw him and motioned for him to go back he did so and had reached the stairs leading to the schoolroom when he was seized by a savage who had a large butcher knife mr sanders struggled and was about to get away when another burly savage came to the aid of the first standing by mrs whitman's side i watched the horrid strife until sickened i turned away just then a bullet came through the window piercing mrs whitman's shoulder clasping her hands to the wound she shrieked with pain and then fell to the floor i ran to her and tried to raise her up she said child you cannot help me save yourself we all crowded around her and began to weep she commenced praying for us lord save these little ones she repeated this over many times she also prayed for her parents saying this will kill my poor mother the women now began to go upstairs and mr rogers pushed us to the stairway i was filled with agony at the idea of leaving the sick children and refused to go mr rogers was too excited to speak so taking up one of the children he handed her to me and motioned for me to take her up i passed her to someone else turned and took another and then the third and ran up myself mr rogers then helped mother to her feet and brought her upstairs and laid her on the bed he then knelt in prayer and while thus engaged the crashing of doors informed us that the work of death was accomplished out of doors and our time had come the wounded man whose name was kimball said that if we had a gun to hold it over the banisters it might keep them away there happened to be an old broken gun in the room and this was placed over the railing by this time they were smashing the door leading to the stairway having accomplished this they retired all was quiet for a while then we heard footsteps in the room below and a voice at the bottom of the stairway called mr rogers it was an indian who represented that he had just come he would save them if they would come down after a good deal of parleying he came up i told mother that i had seen him killing the teacher but she thought i was mistaken he said that they were going to burn the house and that we must leave it i wrapped my little sister up and handed her to him with the request that he would carry her he said that they would take mrs whitman away and then come back for us 
then all left save the children and mr kimball when they reached the room below mother was laid upon a settee and carried out into the yard by mr rogers and joe lewis having reached the yard joe dropped his end of the settee and a volley of bullets laid mr rogers mother and brother francis bleeding and dying on the ground while the indians were holding a council to decide how to get mrs w and mr rogers into their hands joe lewis had been sent to the schoolroom to get the school children they had hid in the attic but were ferreted out and brought to the kitchen where they were placed in a row to be shot but the chief relented and said they should not be hurt but my brother francis was killed soon after my oldest brother was shot at the same time the doctor was night had now come and the chief made a speech in favor of sparing the women and children which was done and they all became prisoners ten ghastly bleeding corpses lay in and around the house mr osborne's family had secreted themselves under the floor and escaped during the night and after great hardships reached fort walla walla one other man escaped to this fort but was never heard of again another fled to mr spaulding's station mr kimball was killed the next day mr spaulding remained at umatilla until wednesday and was within a few miles of the doctor's station when he learned the dreadful news he fled and after a great suffering reached his station which had been saved by the presence of mind and shrewdness of his wife mr canfield was wounded but concealing himself until night he fled to mr spaulding's station the manner of the attack on dr whitman i learned afterward from the indians upon entering the kitchen he took his usual seat upon a settee which was between the wall and the cook-stove an indian began to talk to him in reference to a patient the doctor was attending while thus engaged an indian struck him from behind on the head with a tomahawk at the same moment two guns were discharged one at the doctor and the other at brother john who was engaged in winding twine for the purpose of making brooms the men at the beef were set upon mr kimball had his arm broken by a bullet and fled to the doctor's house mr hoffman fought bravely with an axe he split the foot of the savage who first struck the doctor but was overpowered mr canfield was shot the bullet entering his side but he made his escape the miller fell at his post mr hall was laying the upper floor in a building leaping to the ground he wrested a gun from an indian and fled to the fort he was never seen or heard of afterwards and it is surmised that he was murdered there the tailor was sitting upon his table sewing an indian stepped in shot him with a pistol and then went out he died at midnight after great suffering night came and put an end to the carnival of blood the november moon looked down bright and cold upon the scene nor heeded the groans of the dying who gave forth their plaints to the chill night air 
mr osborne's family were concealed where they could hear mr rogers words as he prayed to that saviour whom he had loved and served for many years his last words were come lord jesus come quickly the clock tolled the midnight hour ere death came to the relief of these victims of savage brutality the dead bodies lay where they fell from monday night until wednesday when the christian indians among whom the doctor and his wife had labored for eleven years and from whom the natives had received nothing but kindness gave consent to have them buried but not one of them would help in the task joe stanfield was set at the work a grave three feet deep and wide enough to receive the eleven victims was dug and the bodies placed in it wolves excavated the grave and devoured the remains the volunteers who went up to fight the indians gathered up the bones placed them in a wagon box and again buried them and this is all the burial these martyrs of americanism in oregon have ever received End of chapter 2